Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a hand sanitizing wipe, and I love film. As Albert Einstein once said, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Which is why I like to see all of my films in 4DX, getting jolted around and spilling my Sprite and popcorn and all that shit. Surprising about that. I didn't know Albert Einstein was into that, but then I guess he did always like inventions. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Doug Benson, Jamila Jamil, and even Sed Mambles. But this week, it's the brilliant comedian, actor, and writer, Zainab Johnson. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get an extra 20 minutes of chat with Zainab. We talk about beginnings, we talk about endings. She tells me a secret. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Ted Lasso season two is all finished. Available now on Apple TV Plus. You can watch the whole show in one go. And Soulmate season one is on Amazon Prime. So you can watch that too. Why not watch them both? You know what I mean? You may as well. There's nothing else to do, is there? I mean, there is. Get on with your lives. Don't, you know, you don't have to do any of this. Just I'm grateful you're here. So, Zainab Johnson is an excellent comedian, writer, and actor who I saw at a gig that I had in Los Angeles, and she was so brilliant that I was very excited to get her on this podcast. We recorded this on Zoom a few days ago, and it was such a joy. I think you're really going to like it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 170 of Films to be Buried with. and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a last comic standinger, a Netflixer, a uploader, a hero, a creator, a legend, and one of the finest stand-up comedians I have seen in LA. Please welcome to the show, the wonderful, the brilliant, it's Adam Johnson! This is huge. It is a delight to have you, an honour to have you, if anything. And uh, we have not really met. We met very briefly at an outdoor gig where everyone was smoking weed. And I felt like I was getting high just standing there before going on stage. You went on stage. You were fucking brilliant. And I thought, yeah, I want to talk. 
thought, do you know what? I want to talk. I want to hear more of this. So here's the thing. I looked you up. Okay, good. And aside from your incredible career, etc., the most shocking thing is you're one of 13 children. How did I know that's what you were going to say? Because I guess when anyone looks you up, that's surely the thing that they're like, what? And then I was like, well, of course she's a comedian. You're one of 30. Where do you fit in this, in this mix? I am fifth from the top. So you're sixth. So, no, I'm fifth. Oh, you're fifth. Okay. I'm fifth. There's four, there's four above me, eight below me. Jesus Christ. How do you... Same mother, same father. I don't know where to start. I'm assuming... Who's your, who's your favorite? Um, I don't really have a favorite, but I think there have been a few favorites like over the time. Like I love my youngest brother, but I think it's because he could have he, he could have been my kid. You know, like right, right, I'm, yeah. I'm like 16 years older than him. So I like him. I think I think it depends on the age. Like right now, I'm really close to my sister who is eight years younger than me. But like mm-hmm. it took us it took me getting into my 30s and her getting into her 20s for us to get close. You know, for wow. a very long time, she just seemed like a little, you know, just like. Yeah. But I mean, we all have very different personalities. <laughs> 13 different. I can't even invent 13 different personalities it's it's interesting to me because we come from the same two people so for us to be yeah. so different is just is strange or, or or rather interesting yeah absolutely fascinating but one everybody in my family thinks they're funnier than me that's one <laughs> uh and when i did like my one of my first tv sets my younger one of my younger brothers was in the audience and he was like, I was so scared. He was like, it was the scaredest I've been my entire life. And I was like, why? He was like, because I don't remember you being funny. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and he was like, and then the first words you said, and everybody laughed, and I just relaxed. And he, and then I listened to you, and I was like, oh, she's really funny. He was like, but at first, I, I just, I don't remember you being funny when we were growing up. And I was like, probably because I was yelling at you. Yeah, he just thought this was like a Make a Wish Foundation thing. <laughs> oh my god you poor thing i i'm annoyed because i'm aware that you have you're one of 13 i assume it's something you talk about a lot and i hate talking to just people about stuff they have to talk about all the time but it is fascinating purely just in terms of the logistics of it like i have one sister who i'm very very close with i try and talk to her as much as i can we talk maybe twice a week how do you keep in contact with 13 people on the reg uh there's some that i talk to more often than others. But I think I definitely speak to my siblings like a good amount of time. Like I speak to a good five of them a few times a week. And it's not long conversations, but it's just like, it'll be a text or a, you know, like we talk, but you just made me realize something. I realized in my career, now my goal is to do something that is more fascinating than having 12 siblings. But I I've never that's, thought about it before. <laughs> surely that's why you're a comedian, though, right? So you've got, you've got, you're so desperate for attention. If you're fighting twelve other people for attention, you have to become a comedian. You have to have a TV show where you're a comedian on TV and go, "See, now I'm the fucking favorite." <laughs> sure. Uh, it, oh my god, that's funny. That's the theme of the show. Oh, is it? <laughs> it is. It is. I do think that it's interesting that I chose something that is very independent you know like I could have joined a sketch group I could have like joined an improv group but I think stand-up is a very like lonely road 
Um, and I, I just, I do find it very interesting that that's what I chose. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting that you don't have an improv group called Family, My Family. Tell me this, you do your brothers and sisters, do you have different ones for different occasions? As in, do you go like, if I feel sad, I need to call this one. If I feel, uh, you know, do they, do, they, do they serve different purposes for you? No, I am like the caretaker of all. Yeah, so I am usually the one that is called upon when things are needed, whatever. Like, I can give everything. I can give advice. I can give sentiment. I can give money. I can mm-hmm. give, you know. But I do call different ones for different information. I know the wealth of information <laughs> each one of them has. I know what their expertise is. Right. So I call according to the expertise I need. Fascinating. Uh, and h- how long have you been doing stand-up? 10 years. Was that always your plan? Or was did no. something happen where you were like, I, I want to get into that? So I went to school, I got a degree in math and education, and I thought I would teach. And then my friend, my really close friend at the time decided she was moving to LA to be famous. And I was like, I can't let her move without me because of all the famous women I know, I don't know who their best friend is. You know, like who's Julia <laughs> Roberts' best friend? Nobody knows. Great question. You know? And so I'm like, well, I got to go. Does she have one? Exactly. Who knows? You know, we may never know. The only best friend we know is Gail and Oprah. (laughs) What? It's just really funny. It's just now I'm obsessed with finding out who Julia Roberts' best friend is. We don't know. Like George Clooney? I mean, I don't know. Who is her best friend? Could be. We don't know. You're right. We literally don't know. So hang on. So your famous friend is going and you're like, you might be, you need to be the first famous person other than Oprah where people know who their best friend is. Well, yeah, I just thought like, I can't let her be famous without me. That was my thought. That was the thing that <laughs> motivated me to pack up my car in New York City, drive across country and move to LA. I was like, I can't let her be famous without me. <laughs> what happened to your friend? Please tell me she's, she's Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I don't know, actually. So she's not famous and she's no longer your best friend. Yes, that the, both both of those things are true. Wow. God. Did she is she now calling you up like I want to be your best friend. You I want to be the best friend of the famous person. How did she fuck this up so badly? <laughs> um I don't know if she would ever call. No, it's not like that. It's not like it's not like that. It's just like a growing apart, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely more famous. <laughs> <laughs> right now you know things can change in a heartbeat but right now right now you win yeah a lot of stuff comes up on google (laughs) (laughs) absolutely fascinating and you are currently you're so you're currently making your own show or developing your own show or making your own show you're somewhere in there developing yeah yeah in the middle of it and this one's your baby are we allowed to talk about it at all no okay good i'm glad i brought it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like you 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 gave it away. It's like you were like you have twelve brothers and sisters, yeah. and how do, you know? And yeah. you're fighting to be the favorite. That's the show. I, I would 100 percent watch that show. I would buy that show and I would watch that show. <laughs> I hope everyone else feels that same way. Well, of course they do because it's fucking mad to have that many brothers and sisters. I don't know how you cope. It's just mad. <laughs> It's so I, I want to see this show. When I was younger, when I was little, all I ever wanted was to be the only child. 
Yeah. I wanted so bad to know what that was like because it's like you don't have any privacy. You don't, you, yeah. you know, and, and the thing about it is we were very poor, mm. but not because my father didn't have a good job. It's just like you, you got to have like Bezos money to take care of 13 kids. <laughs> you know, in New York City, we grew up oh in Manhattan. God. Like it was. Oh, my God. Yeah. You were rich for a, for a four person family, but for a 13 person family, yeah, you need Bezos money. Poverty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, Zainab. Oh, shit. I've forgotten to tell you something. Oh, nuts. Uh-oh. I should have oh, told you this. Oh, I should have told you this at the beginning when when we logged on, if anything, I should have told you. Oh, fuck. I should have emailed you. Oh, man. I just have to say it. I feel like a dunce. <laughs> Um, you, I'll just say it. You've died. You're dead. Okay. 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 You did that well. You seem unfazed. Uh, how, <laughs> did, how did you die? Um, I mean, I'm actually, I'm devastated. I oh, okay. Oh, you didn't want this. It's just the, the tea. I mean, I, uh, well, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the tea is what relaxed me, but it was hard news to hear. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is probably going to sound so cheesy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But I died laying in my California King bed. Mm-hmm. California King. With, and I'm dressed in all white linen. Okay. And the sheets are all white linen. Everything, every single thing is all white. The sheets are like the most soft organic cotton. It's 1,000 thread count. Mm -hmm. My loving, loving husband is rubbing my feet as I take my last breath. And I'm laying on my back. And I just kind of like float away. Like I close my eyes like really, really softly. And I fade away. And... I think my mom, I think she'll live like way beyond me. Like if I'm 90, my mom will be like 120. Yeah. And I think she'll call one last time to tell me to do something like. Well, like, like a chore. Uh, yeah. Just to parent. Like, you know how parents have to over parent. Yeah. So she'll, she'll, maybe she'll be like, you know, Zainab, make sure the temperature is right before you go. <laughs> something. She'll be like, something she'll be like make sure your all white linen ceiling is clean make sure you have on clean underwear <laughs> okay so a couple of questions okay it sounds lovely that you know the visuals lovely all, all white linen everywhere i mean everywhere okay <laughs> everywhere I like ceiling everywhere floor to ceiling no not floor to ceiling okay that's so not like the everywhere. room is not like veiled in linen <laughs> okay. no just all your stuff it's, is. Yeah, it's still my bedroom. Okay. So it's your bedroom. You're 90. That's the age you've chosen to die? Um, I'm somewhere in between 90 and 100. Okay. Well, I'm going to need specifics. I'm 93. Okay. Why 93? Three is my number. I like threes. Okay. And so three can go into nine three times. And then I just put a three after the 90. So 93. That's what happened in my mind just now. That's nice. <laughs> That's really nice. I like that. That's made a very magic number. But 
Uh, my other question is, this husband rubbing your feet, is, are you, is it currently your husband or is this a future husband? He's my future husband. Okay. Do you know him yet? No. Okay. What does he look like and what's his, what's his vibe? What does he look like, like eventually, or what does he look like when he's 90 something as well? Fair question. What did he look like <laughs> when you met him? Oh, he was tall and uh, like thin, but still like muscular, but not too, not like too, not like all he does is go to the gym, yeah, but yeah. just like, you know, like he has a combination of like caring about himself, but not taking himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. He has a nice beard. Is he dressed in a white linen? No, no, no. He's probably dressed in like jeans and a hoodie and it okay. fits him well. Nice. And maybe like some simple but cool sneakers. Okay. Uh, and what <laughs> what's his personality like? Or does that not matter? <laughs> he's like uh super smart and like a little bit corny like i'm okay. totally the funny one yeah but but he appreciates that and he goofs himself up a bit just to try and make me laugh okay. like he gets super goofy just to make me laugh and he does make you laugh <laughs> and it he works does make you laugh. and yeah. he does oh, yeah good. yeah and uh what does he do what what line of business is he in if any Oh no, he's in. He does business. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't care, but whatever it is, I respect it. But it's not. It's not. It's not the entertainment business. He could be in the entertainment business, but I prefer him to be behind the camera. You know, like yeah. so. I wouldn't be mad if he was like um, a, a really talented, like DP, or mm. like a lawyer, or yeah. like you know, yeah. a finance person. But, like, is he a stand-up comedian? No. No, he can't be a stand-up comedian. Not on my watch. Yeah, no, no, no. And is he an actor? Let's hope not. Let's no. hope not. You don't want that. No. no. You, deserve, you deserve better. So this guy, what's his name? <laughs> hmm, what is his name? You're going to have to say it a lot unless you, you know, have a nickname for him, I suppose. So. Maybe I mean, I don't well. know because I haven't met him yet. So I guess I have to. Mm. His his name is, what's a name I would like? Mm. A name that I don't mind saying for 60 years. Yeah. Okay, if I went the simple route, maybe like Daniel. Daniel. he's, he's Listen, the man you've described is a fucking Daniel. <laughs> for sure. For sure you've described a Daniel. That is, that is an absolute Daniel you described. <laughs> or or maybe it's a name that I don't know yet. You know, maybe it's a name that's not very common. No, it's a Daniel. No, maybe it's a name like Zainab. We both know it's Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Zainab and Daniel, it goes well together as well. Who's coming over tonight? Zainab and Daniel. Oh, great. She's really funny. He's a bit goofy, but I love him. I love the way he wears a hoodie and jeans. They really fit him. <laughs> so... <sighs> So this is all lovely. Your your life with Daniel sounds great. What slightly concerns me is how you died. Daniel's rubbing your feet. Yes. Why did that kill you? <laughs> what did it, what, okay. What, okay. Yeah. So it it actually didn't kill me, right? Right. So I would really like to just die peacefully in my sleep. Like I would like to just be laying down, mm-hmm. going to sleep. But I would also like to know the day so that I could have gotten everything done that I needed to get done. You know. 
I don't want to go to sleep and it be my last sleep and I don't know it's my last sleep. I want to know that it's my last sleep so that I said all my goodbyes that, you know, so that I Mm -hmm. handled all the business that I need to handle. But what I know is the rubbing of feet is so therapeutic and it's so relaxing and it's so it's, it's, it's a very small gesture but it's a huge care for a person. I was in a hospital before and my it didn't matter how many drugs they gave me, like in a hospital bed. It doesn't matter how many drugs they gave me. Nothing felt as comforting or as promising or as hopeful as when my mom rubbed my feet. And because I remember that, when one of my friends had her son, mm-hmm. I sh- went to the hospital that day and everybody bought gifts and food. And I sat there and rubbed her feet. Her son is like 10 years old now. And she always says, Zainab, when you rubbed my feet, that was the thing that brought me the most comfort. Zainab. So my husband is not like killing me with comfort. He is just making my departure the most serene it could be because he loves me so much. I mean, he played goofy for 60 years. Yeah, that's Daniel for you. Man, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful to rub in the feet in the hospital with the with the lady that's given birth. I yeah. think we should. Uh, it's, I think we should start a thing where we go do that. Just go around maternity wards rubbing people's feet. That's fucking great. I, I think that they would love it. I think they would absolutely love it. We'd have to get permission. Oh, I mean, if, you, if there's admin involved, <laughs> it's really, really going off this. I think it's better there's- if it's a surprise. <laughs> Surprise feet There's rub. nothing. <laughs> there is nothing more uncomfortable than a surprise massage. Yes. From from a stranger. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, it's a terrible idea not to at least call ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, look, I, I have a thing on this uh, podcast, which is when people say they die peacefully in their sleep, I usually sort of think, yeah, but you died of something. Something happened while you were asleep, like you know, you had a heart attack or something happened. Okay. But I've never done this before, but I am going to let you die peacefully in your sleep because I really, really liked it. Usually I make people who die peacefully in their sleep have a horrific death while they were sleeping. <laughs> but yours is, yours is genuinely beautiful and I, and, and I really like Daniel and I think it's lovely what oh, he did for you. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Also, it says a lot because, you know, normally the husbands can't survive without the wife. That was Daniel. Daniel was strong. But Daniel, Daniel's going to be okay. Daniel's going to you outlive know? your mom and she's going to live to 150. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I, I told, I'm going to tell Daniel the moment I die, don't, don't let her make you do anything else. <laughs> the moment I die, your obligation is done. You're free. <laughs> um, <laughs> do, you, do you worry about death? Is it something you think about a lot? I do. And it's like new, it's recent for me, but like it's, oh. it's like, um, it causes like great anxiety. And I Googled it like maybe some months ago. And a, a lot of like the articles that I read said that when you start to have like a fear of death, it means that you really have work to get done. Like you feel like you're not getting done what you, that's the anxiety you really mm. want to get. You really want to accomplish whatever these things, whatever it is for that person, whether it's like, you know, a job or like a relationship or being a parent or like whatever it is, like you, that's the thing that's making you fearful of death because your, your worry is like, oh, what if I don't accomplish this idea before I go? Yeah. Interesting. 
So you've only recently felt this thing of, I've got fucking shit to do and I need to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I felt that. I mean, I I feel like I've always felt that way, but maybe in the past like year and a half, maybe two years. And it's not the pandemic. I know anybody else would say like, oh, well, it's the pandemic. But no, it's it's unrelated to the pandemic. I have this like anxiety. I, I, I grew up with a very... I haven't had many people die. Like only my dad died. That's the only, oh, my, my father and my, and his, and my grandparents, but I haven't had to deal with much death. Even think about it, like 13 yeah. kids. And we're all just like, you know, yeah. here just freaking living, you know? And so my, I always thought that like death was like a release, like death was like, um, so I'm Muslim. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we always say from a law, you come into a law, you return. And so it's always been something very natural to me. But lately I have been thinking about like the untimely death, not, not like, it's like the untimely death is the one that is uncomfortable. Yeah. The untimely thing. There's definitely, it's a, it's a phenomenon of people, particularly people who have near death experiences or who nearly die. They then get a lot of stuff done. They seem to be like, mm. because they know, oh, I lived and so I really need to make the most of this. Well, I feel like I had a near-death experience, but it Did was you? when I was very young. Yeah, I was 17. I got hit by a truck. What the fuck? <laughs> hit by a truck? I've never heard hit by a truck. Hit by a truck is like a fucking cartoon. What the fuck happened in that? And, that's awful. And like a truck truck, not like a not like a Range Rover, like a straight up truck, like a delivery, like a truck oh my truck. God. Can yeah. you talk about Junk it? Driver. Are you okay to talk about it? A drunk yeah. driver. Yeah. Fuck. Drunk driver. Mm-hmm. So I was pushing the back of a car, right? I'll I'll keep this brief, but I was in Atlanta visiting a friend. Mm-hmm. And like on like a uh, winter break, I was in high school and we went to the mall. And then on our way home from the mall, we stopped at a gas station and she got gas. But it's like, I'm a New York City kid. So I don't know anything about cars. I don't know how to drive. Like if, if I'm not even paying attention to streets. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm just so yeah. long for the ride. Right. And so we get maybe like a block away from the gas station and the car just shuts down. It just turns off. Right. And I'm thinking like, well, may, I guess we I, like we just had gas. So why would it turn off? You know, later, you know, like what now? Like 15 years later, I think about it and I'm like, maybe she put diesel in the car instead of because, you know, that has like a really quick reaction. Yeah. That has like a really quick negative reaction. Don't fuck it up quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I, I mean, I don't know. And I never knew. But she was, you know, it was me and two other girls. And the driver was like, uh, just let's just push it because we can literally see the gas station yeah. we just left. So she's like, just push the car. And I remember I had on some brand new sneakers. So I was like, I do not want to push the car. Like, I don't want to mess up my sneaker. <laughs> <laughs> and I get out and I push the car, me and, and another friend, we push the car. And then I woke, woke up in an ambulance. Oh, really? Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I woke up in an, in an ambulance. I woke up for a few moments in the ambulance. And I could see like the blood and, and the the EMT worker was cutting off my clothes. Oh shit. And asking me and asking me like who the president was and who you know, like and Fuck. 
Yeah. And then I woke up like sometime after that in like an ICU unit in, in the ICU room in the hospital. And that's oh it. God. Yeah. Oh God. And then, I, yeah. And I had to like rehabilitate and that took a very long time. And I still have like the scars, you know, to show it. But it does make me feel like it, it does make me feel very purposeful because mm. I'm like, I could have died. Yeah. Like for in, in so many different ways, I could have died from the hit. I could have died from the surgeries. I could have died from infection. I could have, you know, like I could, there's so many things, which yeah. is probably why I didn't choose like a terrible death. Cause I'm yeah. like, been there, done that. You know what? And I fucking <laughs> sensed it. That's why I've given you a nice one. You're the first person I've let die nice because I sensed it. Wow. <laughs> Can I ask you? And again, I don't want to sort of trigger anything. I don't want, you know, if this is too far, please tell me. But so you've never remembered the thing. Like in, in your memory of it is pushing the car and then you're in the ambulance and you have no. You know, yeah, I don't remember the hit. That's fascinating that your brain protects you from that. Or, you know, I have no idea. I'm guessing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I've been told. I, I mean, I've seen the police reports, but I was told that we were pushing the back of the car. Mm. The drunk, the drunk driver slammed into us and pinned us in between the truck and the car. Eesh. And then. Yeah, and then backed out yeah. away from us and then drove off. So it's like a drunk driver hit and run. Fuck. And oh this God. woman, this woman witnessed the whole thing and she followed him as she called the cops on her cell phone. Wow. And the cops cut him off at an intersection. And wow. Yeah. 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 So. Wow. Um, do you, what do you think happens when you die? Do you have a, a theory on that? Did you see anything? I used to. I used to have a theory, but the, the, the every day it's like changing for me because so my I used to think that you go to heaven, like yeah. you go to like paradise to Jenna, you know, is what like how what you say in Arabic. I used to think that you that that's what all of this. That's why you try and be a good human being. You know, that's all like, you know, your points to get up there where they say everything is perfect and like dandy. But then one day. In an attempt to write a joke, I thought, wow, like I love my father and he did great. Uh, I, he did, my, in my opinion, a great job while he was here. And I can't wait to see. I, this was the thought that day. I was I probably had a dream about him or something. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, at least when I get to heaven, I'll see my father again. Right. And then it hit me. I don't know if it's the comedian brain. It hit yeah. me like, what if he doesn't want to see you? <laughs> <laughs> What if what if his heaven does not involve thirteen kids? <laughs> yeah. You know, oh God, like, yeah, he's like fuck that. <laughs> yeah. And then I started thinking about it. Like we all have this idea that our heaven involves other people, but like if he- like like can one of my ex boyfriends be in my heaven? That's not heaven. <laughs> This is really interesting. You you've really got to curate your heaven. You're right. You're absolutely right. Fuck. Because because they they you know like religions make it seem like it's just this one big place that everybody yeah. is, that is good goes to, and then hell is this like one bad place. But I'm just like I don't. But you're right. Heaven with everyone is it in it isn't heaven. Isn't heaven at all? That's like now, and it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> If heaven, if everybody is in heaven, then that means yeah. there's a pandemic in heaven. 
my god, you're blowing my mind. Uh, well, listen, I I've got news. There is a heaven, and it is curated. <laughs> and I've gone through your friends list. I've gone through your close friends list on Instagram, and only those lot are in. And uh, your dad is there. He's happy to see you. Surprisingly, Aww. he he's he's got he's given me a list in order of favourites, and you made the top three, so that's good. And uh, everyone's very happy to see you. And there's all your favourite thing in heaven. What's your favourite thing? This is going to be so cliche. Say it. Watching movies. Oh well, then you, you you fit right in. You fit right in. If that's your favourite thing in the world. This place is made of movies. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but instead of chocolate, it's movies. Just DVDs, <laughs> just VHS tapes in a river, a v- river of VHS tapes and Betamax trees and laser disc chairs. And you'll have a lovely time there. And perfectly fried French fries. Perfectly fried French fries. Guys, yes. I mean, no, no question they're perfectly fried. Okay. So when you get there, they, they give you a, a cone of perfectly fried French fries and everyone's excited to see you and they want to know about your life, but they want to know about your life through film. And the okay. first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember z- seeing, Zayda Johnson? I think the first film I remember seeing is The Land Before Time. Lovely, lovely film. Land Before Time, Don Bluth, Dinosaurs, Happy, Sad. It was a cartoon about, there was like a feature length cartoon about dinosaurs and this one dinosaur on a search to get back to his parents, right? Yeah, yeah. And he made friends along the way. It's a beautiful film. Do you remember who you saw it? Did you see it at the cinema or on TV? I don't know, but I did go to the movies a lot with um, with my family. Like I remember specifically seeing Coming to America. And being like really, really young, like mm-hmm. probably too young to even watch that movie. But my, my father used to really like going to matinees. Right. And so we would just all go to the matinees with him. I remember specifically seeing that in a movie theater. But Land Before Time, maybe I saw it at home. That's a really good first one. That's lovely. What is the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier, Anab Johnson? I used to not be a crier. I used to not be a crier. And yeah, not at all. And I used to pride myself on it. Like I ain't crying 16 years. Like I was that person. (laughs) And like, if if I did have to cry, I would be like, oh my God. Like it would, you know, I would be, I would be taken aback by the cry. But now, oh my God, the older I get, I just comes. And I just, I can see a commercial. Like, I mean, it could be a state farm commercial. And I'm like, Oh my God, please yeah. honor her claim. You know, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the film that made me cry the most, probably, and it's a very specific scene in this film, Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the film. What is the specific scene? Oh my God. So the entire film, the brother is like preparing to go to the Air Force, right? Then at some point when they're in the van, it's like you could tell this is his his life's dream. Like this is his out, you know? And then at some point while they're in the van, they discover he's colorblind. Mm. And because he's colorblind, he'll never be able to go to the Air Force. And that was devastating. Yeah. 
That was devastating on so many different levels. I, I'm just like, and I mean, there's so many reasons to cry in that movie, but that one, I was just like, <gasps> wow. I didn't even know you couldn't be colorblind and go to the airport. You know, like I didn't yeah, know it was like information. That. Yeah, and it <laughs> was, I sad was information. Oh my God. <laughs> I felt terrible. I felt terrible. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's about sibling as well. What's the film? That scared you the most. Do you like being scared, Zainab Johnson? I, n- no, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. I do not like being scared at all. Right. Um, I think the first like scary movie I saw was like Freddy, you know, Freddy Krueger, like Friday the 13th. And I hated it because I always, all my life, I, I've dreamt in color. And right. I'm like, this is exactly where a scary person, a scary monster could get me was in my dream. So like I grew up in New York, right? In New York, you live in like, you live in skyscrapers and stuff. So like the Jason, all the scary movies where you go through the woods, I'm like, that'll never happen. I live in New York. Like, you know, the scenario doesn't present itself for a killer. But with Friday the 13th, with- Killers can't (laughs) walk up so many stairs. There's too many (laughs) stairs for them. Jason will get tired. So then with Freddy Krueger, I was like, oh my God, all you have to do is go to sleep. I was like, this isn't good. So that scared me. But then, you know, like, sure. I mean, after like, I don't know, like five or six films, then they did Jason Takes Manhattan. And I was like, oh, oh no. (laughs) They did. He did take Manhattan. I don't even know how he did it. He learned to walk upstairs faster, maybe. I I didn't even see it. So I'll never know. But I know as a kid, I used to be scared. It's not the film that scared me the most. I'll get to that. But the film that I used to be afraid of was Wizard of Oz. It's a scary film. I used to be afraid of the the witch with the, the with the green face. That's it. Like I, mm-hmm. I I would even have dreams that a witch would show up Yeesh. and then somehow pretend to be my mother. And in the dream, I had to choose between the witch and my mother, and I better make the right choice. Jesus. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that is really scary. Did you make the right choice? I made the right choice. And you know what? I, I think I made the right choice most times or I would wake up before it was even revealed you know and maybe I don't know maybe that's like some really deep rooted something Mm. about my feelings about my mom like I don't know yeah but one summer I did like an intensive at RADA and so I spent the summer in London and I saw yeah and I saw Wicked oh Wicked I saw Wicked in London and I was so moved, I never was afraid of witches again. Wow. Yeah. I was like, intermission did not want to get up out my seat. I was like, I'm ready for the second half. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because it, to- it told me like a story yeah. about the witch that I didn't. It's like, oh, about no, she's not a witch at all. Yeah. Uh, witch or Mother is a great game show for us, for us to pitch to CBS. <laughs> Which um <laughs> to CBS? You think CBS will buy that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which your mother is pretty good. I see the the poster is very easy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I really it. like it. What's the prize? What's the prize? Well, the prize is you live, I guess. If you pick, if you pick, okay. you pick your mother. If you pick your mother, you get to go home. If you pick the witch, you have to stay and stay the week at CBS. <laughs> <laughs> at like CBS Studios? Yeah, at CBS Studios, Radford. <laughs> yeah. 
just, just get put in one of the offices there for a week. <laughs> <laughs> we do like a sort of magazine show about you. Anyway, what's the film that most people don't like? It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it. You don't care what any of these idiots say about that film. What a boy. Oh, yeah. Great, great show. <laughs> Waterboy is such a good film. <laughs> yeah, it is. He he couldn't make that film now. Just with like PC culture and stuff like he mm-hmm. could never make that. He's like you have to ask yourself like is he handy? You know like what like you cannot make that film today. Yeah. But I loved like I loved it. I loved Waterboy. Yeah. Funny. He's funny. I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> I got no beef with him. Yeah, he was like, uh, uh, medulla oblongata. Like, it's just. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, it, it's too funny. That 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 movie is too funny. I'm, 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 I'm the water boy. At the, what? Come on. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is the film that alternatively you used to love you loved it but you've watched it recently and you do not like it anymore for whatever reason that may be okay so i don't dislike it but i don't think it ages well ferris bueller's day off why do you believe that it's not aged well a few things shoot (laughs) ferris bueller was quite an asshole Mm -hmm. i don't know i just don't think that like the hero nowadays is not the asshole you know yeah it took place in like Chicago and there was like not a black person in sight. <laughs> it's like it, this freaking teenage kid just got on a float in the middle of a parade in <laughs> Chicago and was like, you know, like I just yeah. like I, it just when I watch it now, I have to suspend my disbelief so far <laughs> to really appreciate the story being told, you know, mm-hmm. but, but when I was a kid, I loved it. I wanted to be Ferris Bueller. I hated Ferris. his sister. Yeah. Mm. The only thing that ages well in Ferris Bueller is the girlfriend. She had on this white fringe leather jacket. And I'm like, where is that jacket? That jacket would look amazing today. <laughs> Mia Sarah. Is it Mia Sarah? Mia Sarah's jacket. Uh we must, we must get Is that, that her name? Christmas. Is that the actress's name? Oh my God, I would love so, it. I would absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, let's let's make a night, shall we? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell Daniel what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> uh, what, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but because the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you, Zainab Johnson. Okay. I have to change your question a little bit to answer this. Whoa, the whoa, film whoa. isn't <laughs> the the film isn't special to me, but I have never had this experience seeing a film before. Okay. So you know I said I was raised Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know much about the church, but there was a time where a movie called The Passion of the Christ came out. Yes, I've seen it. And and I just kept hearing, like, that's all that was in a news cycle. That's what everyone talks about. You know, and this is, like, a bit before social media, but it still had the same, like, if something could have trended before social media. It's one of the biggest films of all time. It's one of the biggest films of all time. 
And like none of my friends were, I was young, you know, like none of my friends were talking about it. No, but, but I remember feeling like, wow, people, there's these, like, there's nobody in the middle. I didn't hear anybody with passion to Christ go, eh, like, I didn't hear that, you know, like, eh, (laughs) I could take it or leave it. It's fine. Yeah. It was like, it was like really opposite ends of the spectrum, like amazing or they freaking hated it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like blasphemous. And I was like, I got to see this film. And I went by myself to the movie theater and I sat there and I watched that film. And I probably after the first 10 minutes, I cried for two hours. Wow. I cried for two hours. And I'm talking about like, it it was painful to cry. Right. And it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it was like really like I, I felt like I was watching the equivalent. This is going to sound super crazy right now, but forgive no, I me. I felt I felt like I was watching what somebody today might describe as like George Floyd, their George Floyd experience. Oh, wow. Do you get what I'm saying? Like for me, it was just about like to watch somebody be like. For, forget the religious story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, forget, for, forget that they're saying that's Jesus. I sat and watched like a human being be tortured for two hours. Yeah. And that, that was, that, that just, I just cried. I couldn't believe it. And so the reason why, that's not the reason why it stays with me though. When I got up to leave after the film was over, you can see I'm visibly like swollen and distressed. And I'm also like this, teenager you know i'm yeah. also like this young teenager and yeah. this at the movies by herself that just finished watching this movie and this woman comes up to me and she grabs my hand and she says are you okay and i was like trying to like get my words and i'm like yeah i'm you know i'm okay i'll be okay and then she said to me <clears throat> see why it's important to make jesus your lord and say like she tried to convert <sighs> me oh, in nice. that moment and it pissed me or I went from one emotion yeah. to another. And then I was so pissed. I was so upset that she made it about the religion. I was so upset that she made it about this yeah. thing that, you know, this thing that everybody is fighting for control over. And that she did it, that, that, that it wasn't just about like a human being was just tortured right in front mm. of us for two hours. And I said that to her. I was like, what? Like I, I grabbed my hand away from her. And I was yeah. like, what? I was like, no, no, this isn't about Christianity at all or Jesus. I was like, I just watched a man tortured for two hours. That was hard. And what'd she say? She just looked at me like, like, how dare I? She would, <laughs> I'm sure she went and told this story much different. Like, you know, there was yeah, a yeah. girl who <laughs> didn't care that it was Jesus, you know? Wow. Like, Do you think she so was just I waiting was just- outside the screen and, and try, trying to convert people after every every showing? If she was doing that and they didn't kick her out the movie theater, then I'm gonna have to write AMC a letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's really interesting what you say about the film. It's um, it's yeah. I mean, that film is kind of insane. It is just two hours of a man being tortured. Tortured. And it's brutal, and I don't really like it at all. <laughs> it's horrible. It's really, really, really yeah. horrible. And you're like, what is what? What is this? Yeah. Are we watching? Yeah. Great answer. I have a happier moment, though. Oh, okay. We can keep that one. <laughs> uh, when I saw Shrek, the first yeah. Shrek, oh, yeah. I'll never forget. I'll never forget my friend. She was like babysitting her niece. 
that day. And she's like, come with me to the movie theater. And I'm like, to see what? And she's like, oh, I got to take my niece to the movies to see Shrek. And I'm like, a kid? I'm not going to the movies. Like, again, I'm like a cool teenager. So I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. It was one of the best experiences. I, I mean, I was laughing so hard. It made me realize that these like animated films, for the most part, they're not like for kids. Like yeah. the visual aspect of it are for kids, but the dialogue, the story, they're not for kids at all. Like I was laughing so I was laughing so hard. I looked over at my friend's niece, who at the time was like four or five years old, and she was just like. <laughs> you keep That's laughing really at nice. this donkey what's what's funny and i'm like it's okay <laughs> you don't even know you don't even know how funny this donkey is exactly. apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day that's three percent on your favorite products at apple 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is the film you most relate to, Zainab Johnson? I don't know if I relate to a film. Is that bad? It's very interesting you say that. I find this is the question people struggle with the most. It depends. I mean, the the reason it would surprise me you saying that is because you're obviously, you've been so affected by so many things in the films you've talked about. You know, you're, you're obviously very empathetic and sensitive and you take these things on even though it's just a film you could argue it's just a film but you're devastated by things you've seen or whatever but that you you don't think that you've connected with any of them in a way like that relates to you is interesting like I don't know if I've ever watched anything a film and saw myself I have watched things and like wondered like what that's like you know, but I honestly don't think that I've seen a story or a character portrayed on film. And I mean, look, Mm -hmm. maybe this is just like an enlightening moment for me that I have some work to do uh, in creating, you know, because I don't, I don't feel like I see myself, somebody that I relate to on camera very often. Then yeah, I would take this as really exciting news because that means you got to fucking make something. Yeah. This is very cool. At yeah. least you, at least you know whatever you're going to make hasn't been done. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm trying to 
And there's like films that I loved. Like I loved Thelma and Louise. I love like there's I loved Annie. I loved so many films, but I never see myself. I'm even thinking about films with like all women. Like I'm thinking about like Color Purple, Women of Bruce, like women of, you know, like black women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I watch it and I'm like, dang, I wonder what that was like, but I don't see myself at all. Very interesting. Yeah. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen, Zainab Johnson? Sexiest film I've ever seen is mm-hmm. called Takers. Takers. Are you familiar with Takers? <laughs> tell me about, I call tell it, about Takers. Takers, I call I call Takers the fine boy movie because it has every <laughs> fine boy in the movie. It has Idris Elba. It fine. has Michael Ely. It fine. has Hayden Christensen. Fine. It has uh, Chris Brown. It, it like fine. It's like every every fine man of that year. Wait, wait, wait. Chris Brown, uh, carry on. <laughs> Chris Brown is. Debatable for some, but I, I I'm a huge Chris Brown okay. uh, crusher. So certainly I've got to warn Daniel about. But okay. <laughs> but it had like it just had like a body of like fine men, right? And then they had to like you know I don't know it was like a scheme or something. I don't really remember the plot. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> Knows what they were trying to take. They were trying to take something <laughs> or something. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they were takers. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but they weren't. But what like they really, ta- what they really taking was my fucking heart. <laughs> my my libido. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the word for it. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> But it's like, it's not like Magic Mike. It's not like men being strippers. It's like sexy in a different way, mm. you know? Just men taking shit. They're just yeah, taking just, shit. They're fine and they're taking fine. shit. Just, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's a pitch. It's a good tagline. <laughs> they're just fine and they're taking shit. They're fine shit. and they're taking shit. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, there's a subcategory to this question, Zainab Johnson. Okay. The subcategory is troubling boners, worrying why dons. A film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. I mean, I could say, and this is totally not this category, but I do. I am aroused by stuff like this. I could say like a film like The Notebook, you know, because mm-hmm. I just think a man's like undying love for a woman is just super, super aroused. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think it's interesting you find that a worrying why done. That sounds like a nice, sounds like a nice, <laughs> healthy why done. <laughs> it's like, it's like, ooh, that's the porn I want to see. He just, <laughs> he leaned, no, no, no private parts. He built a house. Ooh, that gets me going. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, Look at yeah. him being really respectful and <laughs> sticking around forever. Look at him. He's he's running to her in the rain. Oh, that's that's the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it yeah. <laughs> there is this scene though, and set it off, which is not like a film that you should ever be aroused. I love Spy. <laughs> well, I could see that. It's just like four women, you know, like four badass women. Yeah, that film could guy. be called female, female Takers. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. That's the female Takers. But there's a scene where Jada Pinkett's character, she has sex with Blair Underwood. Mm-hmm. And 
it's so like sensual at first. And then it's just like this perfectly angled view of like what is supposed to be Jada Pinkett's ass. And two things happen to me whenever I see it. One, I'm like, ooh. And then two, I'm like, I wonder if that's a body double. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> you know who's who is the body double? I'm going to spoil it for you. It's uh, Julia Roberts' best friend. <laughs> she, that, she, she did very well as Jada Pinkett's missed ass double. That would uh, be amazing. And also, she only had one job ever in life, and that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's all right. She's, don't worry about it. She's fine. Um, oh. What is objectively, objectively the greatest film ever made? Might not be your favorite, but it's objectively the greatest. I actually tried to convince an audience of this the other day, and they were <laughs> not on board with it. Forrest Gump. Wow. Okay. What was that reaction? It's interesting. If you, uh, I'm going to have to make you listen to an old episode of the podcast that I had with Dane Baptiste, where he gives a very, very, very convincing argument that Forrest Gump is a film. Wait, uh, well, let me hear your, let, I'm going to leave it with you. Tell me your theory on why it's the greatest. There's so much happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Forrest Gump is, again, a film that they could not make today. Yep. If you walked in a room today, we talk about like a Jenna. I I don't know what love is, Jenna. They would be like they would they would run you out of town. Yeah. With a hashtag cancellation notice. Yeah. Forrest Gump was somebody that like okay here's the, here's the reason why it's the greatest movie because it took one man it took one kind of like. I'm just going to call him an autistic savant. I don't know what he was, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he managed to be the most unlikely person in every greatest moment in history. Mm-hmm. And because they did that, and, and it was laced with, it was effortlessly laced with like a love story, a man's undying love for this woman. No. Worrying why don't I? Yeah, it was laced with these unlikely friendships that just, you know, that developed. And then because you travel through decades with this person, through this person's life, you get to experience via film some of the greatest moments that you weren't around to see, some of the greatest music that you weren't around to experience. You know what I'm saying? You get to live through time. Forrest Gump is like, it's like a happy-go-lucky history lesson that everybody needs of America. Is it really America? No, but it is the idealistic version. You, like, who else to tell it? Forrest is not like a straight white guy. We hate straight white men right now. Forrest is like, Forrest is like a level above special needs. And that's the straight white guy we can always get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's the greatest yeah. film. Yeah. I, yeah. Forrest, have you ever... Sorry, Forrest. Have you ever seen a box of chocolates? They do tell you what's in them on, <laughs> on, on all boxes of chocolates. <laughs> Just but, turn it but, over and you'll see what you're going to get on the inside. But that yeah. is so true. But have you ever eaten a box of chocolates and you know exactly what it says, but you still bite it and look inside as if you don't know what it actually says? You're absolutely right. Forrest Gump is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You've done it. 
You've done it. What's the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Coming to America. Correct. What's <laughs> the What's the film? Now we don't like to be negative, Zainab. Okay. So we'll do it fairly quick. What's the worst film okay. you've ever seen? Um, Human Centipede. Fair enough. <laughs> and I saw it while in London. I know it takes place in like Germany or something like that, but I tend to, you yeah, know, same, the same, entire same. European, you yeah. know, and I was just like, oh, oh my God, somebody put me on a flight immediately. These people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want my passport stamped. Get me out of here. Did you see it in the cinema? No. Okay. Did friends make you watch it? I, I watched it on my own. Wow. Because I saw, like, I think I, I may be watching my, my sister's husband is British. And so they lived there for a while. And I think that maybe I was just up late one day. I, I probably watched it with my sister and her husband. But I think I suggested it. And I was like, it's like, a, like I'm like, this can't be, like, you know how you have to watch. And then it's so grotesque. Yeah. It's so, yeah. you know, but you also can't look away because you have to see how it you you need to be redeemed that's not a film that you just stop watching yeah. you need you need for somebody to get away or for some you know like you it, but terrible at the end i was like how no 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 thank you no 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 you're up we have to change this <laughs> no thank you i'm leaving europe now uh thank you uh what is that you're in comedy you're very funny what's the film that made you laugh the most zainab johnson Probably 40-year-old virgin. Funny film. Funny film. And my favorite part, the funniest part, part, I believe, is an improvised scene. Tell me the part. It is between Kevin Hart and Romani Malco. I hope I'm saying his name right. But Kevin comes in, Kevin's character. And this is like before the world loves Kevin. But this is like, I don't think Kevin has done any better. Like, Like, he's good, sure. But it's like, I'm like, that That was like pure freaking comedy, you know? He comes in and he's like, he wants a discount. And he feels like R- Romani's character should give him a discount just because he's black, right? <laughs> and so he's like, this is not how that works. Like, you know, you and he's like, get your man. Like, they just go back and forth. And <laughs> I can't, I can't really say it. I can't really say it because it involves the N word. Right. But at some point, he's like, "No, you, you wanted the N word. You got the N word. No, you got to, like it was just. It, it's so I, I can watch that scene over and over and over. And I think it's because at some point you see that Kevin wants the break. Like you right, see right. that it's it's." You know when you watch comedians and they're they're one upping each other in the scene, yeah. and it's like, and and one of them is like, I don't know, it's like who's gonna win the battle of this improv, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what that that movie is so hysterical to me, but that scene is is hilarious. Love it, love it, Zainab Johnson. You have been one of the greatest. I have loved this. I've loved every aspect of this. However. When you were 93 years old, three times three times three times three, three into three, made nine with a three, four threes, magic number. You were 93. You were in your all white linen bedroom, all white linen everywhere. Not on the ceiling. Let's be real. Just on your furniture. And you were laying in your bed and you'd, you'd, you were told this was the day. This was the day you were going to die. You were very healthy, but you said today's the day you didn't die. And you were with Daniel. Lovely, lovely, lovely Daniel. Like a, like a young Colin Firth. There he was, Daniel. And he said, my darling, my angel, 
I've loved you all my life. And he said, I'm going to do my favorite thing. I'm going to cry telling this. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, I'm going to do your favorite thing. And he rubbed your feet. And you said, I love you, Daniel. Thank you for being goofy for all these years. And he said, I just liked making you laugh. And you closed your eyes and you peacefully went to a curated heaven where you saw all your favourites. Anyway, I'm walking by with a coffin, you know what I'm like. And I'm like, I wonder where Zainab is. And I'm like, oh, no, I know what day of the week it is. And I go upstairs, Daniel, he's still at your, he's on his knees at the bed. I go, you, you okay, Daniel? And we hug. That's what Daniel's like. He's a big, he's a really good hugger as well. I have a big old hug. And he leaves the room and I say, don't worry, I'll take care of this. And I pop you in the coffin, but the coffin I got for you was uh, smaller than, uh, was a bit small because you had a narrow corridor. So I knew it. stairway was narrow. I was like, getting up the stairs going to be difficult. Anyway, I really have to stuff you in the, the coffin, but because you've had the nicest death we've ever had, this actually goes quite well. Just get you in the coffin. But there's really not enough room in this coffin for anything else. There's only enough room to put a DVD Slip it in the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. One night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone in heaven when it's your movie night, Zainab Johnson? I'm so sorry to give the same answer again, Coming to America. It's Coming to America. You know what it is? I've watched Coming to America so many times. I can, re- I can recite this movie to you without, I don't even need the film playing. Mm-hmm. And still, after, after, a hundred plus views, I enjoy it the same and I discover something different. You know what else is one of the rare films from 20 years ago? What is it? 20 years ago? Yeah, 30 at this point. Yeah, that that has rare comedy films that has dated very well. Like it isn't, it's surprisingly kind of uh, progressive and... You know what I mean? Like so many films of that era, you watch them now and you're like, oh, God. Whereas Coming to America is still still holds up in every every aspect. When I, I agree with you and I, and I realized that I, I started watching Seinfeld for the first time. Mm. And I was like, this is interesting. These jokes don't really age well. Yeah, like they, yeah. It's like irrelevant what he's talking about. Right. Uh, in my opinion. But when I first decided that I was going to do comedy, I went to open mics. And then someone told me to try this class, this comedy class. And the woman who was teaching this comedy class told me, get up on stage and do your favorite joke. And I was like, my favorite joke? And she was like, yeah, do a joke. You want to be a comedian? Tell me your favorite joke, right? And I got up on stage and I did this. Exactly, Brett. I said, hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) (laughs) A man goes to a restaurant. He orders a bowl of soup. The waiter brings him a bowl of soup. (laughs) The man says, uh, 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 take the soup back. And the waiter says, what is the soup too hot? The man says, take the soup back. He's like, what is the soup too cold? And he's like, would you just taste the soup? And he's like, where's the spoon? Uh Uh-huh. Whatever that joke is, that, that joke at the end of coming to America, I told that joke. I told I told that joke. Ver- I didn't tell it verbatim now, but I told that joke verbatim, and everybody watching was like, <laughs> and I was like, 
you told me to tell my favorite joke. And at the time, it's like I didn't really know jokes verbatim, yeah. you know, like I didn't really yeah, yeah. know people's. And that was just that was the joke that I remembered. That's fucking great. And here you are now. Say now. So there's taste the soup, taste the soup. This has been wonderful. Sorry. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for, to listen to, to watch? Yeah, um, they can watch the second season of Upload when it premieres um, in January 2020, which is on Amazon. Nice. Um, I just watched the full second season. Ooh. Oh, is it good? You happy? I am happy. I think that if anybody liked the first season, then the second season is just going to be like, music you know it's just gonna it's just oh, gonna great. double down on the things that you love um they can of course listen to my podcast it's called honest tea with z h-o-n-e-s-t-e-a with z it's available wherever you get podcasts and if you guys want to check out my social media it's zainab johnson on everything and yeah i do shows and stuff go and see i do stand up go and see i stand yes. up it's really fucking good right yeah. zainab this has been an absolute joy and uh, I'm so excited for you to meet Daniel. And uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Have a wonderful thank you. death. Thank you. And goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was episode 170. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat secrets and video with Zainab. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a very nice thing to read. Helps numbers. Maureen loves it, etc. Thank you very much. Thank you to Zainab for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Latham for the photography. Thank you all for listening. Come and join me next week where my guest... I will not tell you until you hear next week's episode. You are going to love it. So that is all. I hope you're all well. That is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.